You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, I'm Brian Kent, NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. We're doing a, a one-round NFL mock draft to kind of get the landscape of what teams might be thinking and how the board looks before free agency even begins. Obviously, with each free agency signing, this is going to switch a lot uh, between not just now in April, but now and next month. Full disclosure, Paul. I hate mock drafts. Uh, I agree that there is a that it's beneficial to uh, have these to to get an understanding of where teams are. But uh, it's it's a great exercise. But as as far as trying to predict teams, it becomes a headache for me. See, for me, uh, full disclosure, I know you hate them. It's but these to me are a good exercise. They're almost never definitive. Everything can change on draft day. But it lets you take these prospects and not only, you know, because you can easily go out and map these prospects talent-wise from 1 to 500 that are out there, right? And really come to kind of a general consensus. You might be a little different than somebody else. But these mock drafts add another layer to it for me. Uh, and this is where, to me, they're valuable. For one, they let you s- physically see what not only order-wise the player's talent level is, but when you start taking other teams' needs into account. And so, you know, a guy may go at 12 that you've got 20th on your big board. A guy may go higher, much higher, depending, uh, uh, kind of like, I won't say where he went, but Justin Herbert, who neither of us really love, but where he goes based on team needs, wants, et cetera. So it's, it's a good exercise. It's by no means definitive. Some people take it as like, wait, but people mock this guy to those guys all the time, and he didn't go there. Well, you know what? That's, that's part of the exercise. Yeah. 
and I, I'm joking, half joking. I, I like mock drafts. I like the, I'm excited about what we're about to do here. Uh, it, the big reason is I see 96,000 of them before the draft and people, as soon as you put one out, somebody says, Oh, this guy's no, he's not going to go 20th. He's going to go 12th instead. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. And then, and then I have to, I have to brush that off. So uh, anyway, let's get into this poll here I'm, with the number one pick. And I'm going to be taking the odds and Paul is going to be taking the evens. And we're going to stop at a few points throughout the draft at a few important landmarks, specifically when the Dolphins pick fifth, when they pick 18th, and when they pick 26th. Number one, I'm going to go with the obvious choice here, Joe Burrow from LSU. 60 touchdowns, six interceptions this past year. I think at this point, Burrow would really have to say something to not be a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's possible because he's being trained by Jordan Palmer, brother of Carson Palmer. Uh, so I don't know, maybe. Carson talks to Joe at a certain point, and Joe sours a little bit on the Bengals. We'll see. Paul would said last week he would give three firsts and two seconds to swap from five to one. I probably wouldn't go that far, but he's somebody I would certainly want to trade up for. Yeah, and that's three firsts counting the fifth overall. Gotcha. Including gotcha. the fifth overall. And, and one thing I do want to let our listeners know here is we do not have any trades in this mock draft, nothing else. It's literally just straight taking the board. We know we're super early on this, and along with the super early, unfortunately, we have to dive right along with everybody else. The Redskins at number two go out. They take the best player overall on a lot of people's boards in Chase Young, who also happens to be in a position of need for the Skins, and, and he's going to be a dominant player in the NFL. He He was better than Nick Bosa. And I think he is going to start to rebuild that team under Ron Rivera uh, from a positive perspective coming off the edge in Washington. At number three, I went with Jeff Akuda from Ohio State, the cornerback. No real surprises here at the top. You know, it's been a long time since back in 1998 when they took Terry Fair one spot before Randy Moss that they took a cornerback last. But they've had a lot of regime changes, too. and. Okuda is is somebody who's one of the cleanest players on the board. He'll play opposite Darius Slay. And when you look at the last, what, three cornerbacks drafted in the uh, in the top five, you've got Denzel Ward, who's an all-pro, uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's an all-pro, and the third name is eluding me, but he was a pro bowler too. Um, so you've got him with Darius Slay. You've got one of the best cornerback combos in the draft. For the Giants, they got their quarterback of the future last year in the draft. Unfortunately, they've been trying to answer the left tackle position forever now, whether it was Eric Flowers, who is far better at guard, whether it was overpaying for Nate Solder to come in and be mediocre at best. They answered the position here. There are several players that could have been in this spot for the left tackle. I went with Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. I think he's going to be combining with Daniel Jones to protect his blind side for years to come and finally give the Giants an answer at left tackle. And at number five, I'm not going with any surprises here. Tua is the pick, and I do expect the Dolphins to, to trade up as well. It would be pretty ballsy for them to get in a blinking contest uh, with the Detroit Lions or with the New York Giants if they are interested in trading 
up for the spot. So we went back and forth about it the last two shows at length, so we, we don't have to revisit all of it. Uh, the way I look at this pick is, Tua, I, I don't want him playing in 2020. I want him playing in 2021. And that's got to factor in to the overall value of the player. But I'm still willing to take that risk. The only one that would come close um, for me to, to take here at five, if it's not a quarterback or it's not Chase Young, would be a Jeff Akuda. He's certainly off the board, but I probably would have taken Tua anyway uh, there at that spot. So, Paul, at, at number five, you know, we've – I know that you personally wouldn't have taken Tua at, at this right. pick, and, and you're certainly going against the grain in that. My second question would be, with the way the board is, do you think the Dolphins would take him or trade up for him? I hope that they would not trade up for him. As it, as it stands today, here in the middle of February, I hope that they wouldn't. Granted, I know his camp put out there, ooh, we're way ahead of the game. They put a little hype video that was mostly him standing still on a beach. You know, I have durability concerns, even if his medical checks out. And on top of that, his medical does not check out yet. So where I stand right now in mid February, I can't go to it's, and, and I won't beat that to death. Anyone can listen to several of our last few episodes and, and really, know that I'm not saying anything against the grain here. I totally understand the folks that can if they don't have concerns about his medical. But for me, as it stands right now, you can't say you would trade up for the guy and you can't definitively say you would take him at five, even though most mocks are, including ours, unfortunately. For me, I would have looked at one of three players here. Uh, I would have looked at Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. He has the ability to be dominant. Uh, in the middle and push the pocket and help your pass rushers coming off the edge. Outside of that, left tackle is very barren in free agency. It might have to be answered here in the draft, and there are a handful at the top end that I don't think slide to 18. A guy like Mackay Becton would have would have been heavily in play for me here as, as somebody to take, as well as Isaiah Simmons, just because he's such a great chess piece. Uh, at the end of the day, I probably would have taken Becton at number five, much to everybody's chagrin. But you can build the guard spots. You can build the right tackle spot. You can probably answer the center position through the draft and one of the guard positions through the draft as well. But the left tackle position is one that heavily needs an answer, and they don't get much heavier than Becton, even though he's nimble on his feet. Yeah, I respect where you're coming from on it when it comes to Tua. From the Dolphins' perspective, I, I'd be scratching my head if they went anywhere other than quarterback. Um, Kinlaw, I, I might be able to argue a little bit more for because he could be that cornerstone, that Richard Seymour type on your defense. Uh, but if we go back to, to the final game of the 2018 season, or the second to final game against the Jaguars, Steve Ross says that he's tired of winning six to eight games every year, not competing for Super Bowls, and that we need to get a quarterback, and that's the most important thing. The Dolphins then trade Laramie Tunzel for two firsts and a second, also trade Minka, Quinn, Tannehill, eat up a lot of money to get this war chest of draft picks. The And then from that point, the general manager, Chris Greer, brags about how he can move up for anybody. And then in this mock draft, we're going to have three quarterbacks at least go in the top 10 or top 15, and you end up not getting any of them. 
and it, still. It, and then finally the pick comes up to the podium, and it's not a quarterback, but it's an offensive tackle to replace Laramie Tunzel. I, I, that would be hard for me to take. And, Paul, I'll give you the last word on that before you go into your number six pick with the Chargers. It would be in some ways. And I just, it's, there are too many question marks around anybody not named Joe Burrow at quarterback in the top 10, where if I were the general manager, I would be able to take them. Uh, whether it's Justin Herbert, whether it's Jordan Love, whether it's Fromm or Eason, I just can't do it, even though some other teams would. If the value is there, great. Uh, at 18 if the value is there at 26 for a few of them I know we broke it down a little bit uh, in the last the last show looking at the draft and the quarterback position I wouldn't be averse to moving some of those first round picks if you don't get the guy that you know is is the one moving some of those first round picks into next year's first round and stocking up even more if that's the case Uh, there's several things that they can do I think for me, if you're going to take a quarterback in the top 10, you don't take a quarterback just to take a quarterback because you want one. You take a quarterback because you definitively have that in your head that he is the guy, that he is going to be the cornerstone of your franchise for the next 15 years. Tua has all the intangibles. I just don't know if his body is going to hold up till he's 25, let alone 30. And that's, that's where he falls out of the top 10 for me. Any of the other quarterbacks, as far as a fit for Miami, are already outside the top ten for me. And, me. and Paul, I'm sorry, I said I'd give you the last word. I think one more distinction to make, though, too, is uh, the way I look at the two at, at Tua as a, a player and his injury concerns going forward. It's it's key that we keep in mind that it's very very likely that these injuries are not degenerative in any way, and. Right. Th- as of as of his recent medical checks. But if the argument is, well, I, I still don't think he's going to last as a quarterback if he gets hurt a lot in college, then that's likely to happen as, as a pro. Then I, I can understand people taking that stance on that, including you. So, yeah. Paul, who's uh, your number six pick there? So, of course, after I down all the quarterbacks out there on the planet, besides Joe Burrow, uh, uh, the Chargers come in here. Somebody's going to do this. And the Chargers come in and they take Justin Herbert. They need an answer. They've parted ways with Phillip Rivers. They don't have a bridge quarterback. Uh, the, the landscape of the quarterback situation is going to be shifting dramatically around the NFL this offseason. And this is a straight-up needs pick for the Chargers as it stands today prior to free agency and everything else. Uh, they're a team that looks like they could be left without a chair in musical chairs if they don't overpay and that's something that Miami luckily has Fitzpatrick coming back next year and they have Rosen coming back as much as some people may hate him the Chargers have to make that new pick for all we've said about Herbert yeah I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up going sixth or seventh uh, because the quarterback need is so big and Mm -hmm. Philip Rivers is they've they've already said that he's not going to come back with the Chargers next year I expect him to go to Indianapolis but that's a whole different story the and when you lose your franchise quarterback, somebody who's been your your starter since 2006, I mean, you tend to go in the opposite direction. Herbert is one of the most introverted quarterbacks, according to Todd McShay, a very quiet guy, lets his play do the talking. That wasn't Philip Rivers. 
So that that's why I could definitely see this this being a good fit there with the Chargers too. At seven, I, I made a little bit of a reach, but I don't think it's going to be regarded as much of a reach on draft day. I went with Javon Kinlaw at seven there for the Panthers. And when you look at him and what he showed at the Senior Bowl and throughout the year, it reminds me of somebody who could be that DeForest Buckner of your defense. And the Panthers signed Gerald McCoy this offseason, but he's going to be a free agent. Um, Dante, they've also got Don Terry Poe and Kawan Short on the wrong side of 30 there. So I think it's really important that they add somebody who can be that cornerstone of, in that 3-4 defense. Up next, we've got the, the Cardinals, and they got their quarterback answer last year in Kyler Murray. Unfortunately, they weren't able to protect him very well. And this is where the mobile mountain comes into play. Makai Becton, who, who with ridiculously massive size, is still nimble as all get out on his feet and really can help take things to the next level for a mobile quarterback like Kyler Murray and, and gives you that cornerstone lineman along the front for the Cardinals. Yeah, so you'll have Kyler Murray at what five foot ten, and Makai Becton at six seven, three seventy, protecting his blind side. So, but he's a good athlete too, at that left tackle spot, and somebody that's certainly been one of the talks of the pre-draft process so far. Then at number nine, I went with Isaiah Simmons for the Jaguars. Uh, Simmons can play all over the defense, but I, I think he's going to have to go to a team where he settles in it, not necessarily one spot, but he has to be able to uh, have one job at the beginning and I think that's what people have to remember this is still a 22 year old kid coming into the pros he'll team with Miles Jack at the linebacker spot that was a complete nightmare for them after Jack went down and now you've greatly improved your team speed there in the middle of the field the Browns are another team playing musical chairs and they've seen a couple left tackles come off the board already and, and have to jump into the fray to protect Baker Mayfield he was getting bludgeoned from the blind side last year and Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, higher higher level talent in the position he's going in, but also a needs pick for the Browns. It, it, this one's a pretty straightforward, simple answer for me. They, they take Wirfs. Yeah, at 10 and 11 with the Browns and the Jets, unless they sign somebody in free agency at the tackle spot, then I, I don't see how they don't go offensive tackle here. And the Jets, unfortunately, are going to get one of my favorite players in the draft, fourth overall. On my on my dolphin, or, no, excuse me, fifth overall on my Dolphins board. That's Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia. I don't quite understand why he seems to be falling a little bit. I I think it's an example, really, of the guy has been so productive for so long that you start really nitpicking with him. Now maybe he can move inside to guard, but there's no doubt whether whether or not he can play right tackle, which he did a couple years ago, uh, or protect the blind side, which he did for Jake Fromm. Yeah, and then the next pick, look, there, there's there's folks that have higher-rated wide receivers out there. I know I know they've talked about him in the top five periodically. He's probably the second wide receiver on, on my board, ratings-wise. But, again, it's Gruden and it's Mayock, and they do what they want. Everybody else be damned, and the Raiders always have done that. And they they take Jerry Judy here, given the fact that, their quarterback situation has not played out the way it wants to. They may end up bringing Tom Brady to Las Vegas by some rumors, and they want to give him some weapons. And, and Jerry Judy is a stud at wide receiver and gives Brady that weapon out, out in 
out in the desert that uh, he was lacking in New England this past year. So he can miss Jerry Judy uh, as when push comes to shove when he throws the ball. For this draft, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb have been 1A and 1B for as long as we can remember. And CeeDee Lamb, it's fitting. He goes with the next pick, number 13, to the Colts, who are in bad need of a wide receiver. And T.Y. Hilton is somebody that if you've got him on your fantasy football team, then he's a nightmare from year to year because he'll miss a couple games, he'll have to leave early a few games, and he's on the wrong side of 30 now. So CeeDee Lamb's the pick here. I mean, somebody who, regardless of who's playing quarterback there for the Colts, he's going to be a primetime target for. Reminds me a lot of DeAndre Hopkins and his ability to stretch the field not only vertically but horizontally as well. And, Paul, before before we get to your pick here, um, it, I think it's a little bit important that we, we draw a line in the sand here because we're only now, what, let's see, one, two, three, only four more picks until four more teams, only four more teams are picking before the Dolphins do again at 18. I'm looking at this draft board, and I'm seeing Derek Brown, Caleb uh, Chason, A.J. Epineza, and some other players that, that would be very good value there at the number 18 spot. Jumping from 18 up to 14 or 15 might only be a third or fourth round pick. Yeah, and and there there are several people that would be a perfect fit for the Dolphins that there is still the scenario with, with the picks that are left that there could be a perfect storm and anybody I would want for the Dolphins at 18 would be off the board and we could be in a scenario where there's no difference between 18 and 23 as far as as, as selecting because there are five or six guys at the the next layer that I would like equally for the team and I think equally would be fits and shape the rest of the draft so if they're not going to trade up there is a scenario where they're, they're left without a seat in musical chairs and their best scenario is to trade down. So this could be a very interesting point in the draft, depending upon who would go over the next several picks. You and I had a conversation. It was almost a nightmare scenario as this played out. And I'm sorry to jump in there before your, your pick, but to draw a comparison, back in the 2014 draft, the Dolphins stayed put at 19 and took Juwan James, who a player we both like, but was definitely a reach, definitely a reach to fill a need as well. But you look at the board as it was going down uh, to 19. You have Odell Beckham at 12, Aaron Donald at 13, Kyle Fuller at 14, Ryan Shazier at 15, Zach Martin at 16, and C.J. Mosley at 17. All of those picks in a row have been pro bowlers, and some are the best players at their position in the NFL, where the Dolphins stood put, stood pat at 19 and took Juwan James. I mean, it kind of reminds me of that type of board if we look here and see Derek Brown, Kayla Von Chase on, and A.J. Epineza right ahead of us. For me, it would be worth it to trade. If it is a third-rounder, then, then to do that, to just move up a couple of spots to get that type of player. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. And speaking of Derek Brown, you've got a big, strong player that needs some technique refinement, but plays on guts and nuts, as, as I like to call it, in Derek Brown. And then you've got Bruce Arians in Tampa, who famously had a lead when he was coaching with the Cardinals, pulled his player like a big lead, pulled his players in the locker room and told them if they, get, if they let off the gas and didn't step on their throats, he was going to start cutting people the next day. 
too good of a fit at a position in need uh, along that Tampa Bay defensive line. But, you know, you get a guts and nuts player and a guts and nuts coach and at a position in need. It just makes absolutely too much sense. And Derek Brown's a guy that, that's gone in the top five in some mock drafts. So complete and total fit for me. Probably the best value at this point in, in our mock at 14. At 15, I went with a player I know you like a lot. And I, I like him a lot, too, in a certain situation, and that's T. Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson, 6'4", 215. When you look at the Broncos last year, they draft Noah Fant in the first round at tight end. Cortland Sutton they draft the year before that. He turns in a near Pro Bowl type year. But they really had a tough time filling that number two wide receiver spot opposite Cortland Sutton. If you've got Higgins, Sutton, and Fant running vertical routes with Drew Locke throwing the football, I think you're putting him in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and the Falcons, they have a lot of needs, a lot more needs than people would think. They were the disappointment of the NFL at times last year. And their pass rush is mediocre at best. And Kalevon Chason, who I love for Miami, is such a great fit for them. The fact that he can drop back and pass coverage and then bend the edge in a heartbeat makes him a nightmare matchup for opposing offenses and lets you get after things in the NFC South. At 17, and this is the final pick before the Dolphins are back on the board again, is I went with C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida. I anticipate the Cowboys losing Byron Jones in free agency. They'd love to have him back, but you're just paying too many people on that team. I mean, Zeke Elliott becomes the highest paid, excuse me, running back in the NFL, and Dak Prescott's going to be a free agent, and I, I don't see any way that he leaves Dallas, whether it's a franchise tag or re-signing him. And this seems like a, a, a good swap here for Dallas because C.J. can line up as a man-to-man cover guy on the outside and, and get right back into that By- Byron Jones type of role from day one. Yeah, the only way I see Prescott leaving is if Jerry Jones continues to be starry-eyed at, at an, a 42, 43-year-old Tom Brady, in, in which case I, I can see Dak leaving, but you're still paying through the nose for that quarterback position to get Brady in town. So, again, Byron Jones is most likely gone from Dallas, and it it does make a lot of sense for them. The biggest sigh of relief I have is the fact that Dallas left A.J. Epinesa on the board. Because if Dallas had gone Epineza, then we're in that scenario where I don't see a huge distinction between what we can get at 18 and what we can probably get at, you know, 23, 24 by trading down. So I'm glad to see Epineza on the board. I think he fits the Brian Flores mold better than a lot of these pass rushers in the draft as that guy that can dominate against the run but still get after the quarterback and, and cause some havoc in the backfield and you can flex him a little bit along that D-line. So, A.J. Epineza, and I run to the podium at that point to, to take him. Well, you can't run to the podium because you got to come over on a boat. But that's, that's I float quickly story. to the podium. I help him paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the I, I, I love that pick, and it would have been far and away the top player and more on my board, too. I mean – somebody who I, I really thought in the 2020 draft before the year would be a top five pick, and he still might end up going in the top 10. But as we've talked about, the value is going to be shoved down a lot more. And to go back to what you said, it, you're exactly right. I mean, 
if you see Derek Brown, Caleb Von Chase on AJ Epineza going off the board, I think that the guy I might have next on my board is a a Lloyd Cushenberry or somebody I really like or somebody like that. But to your point, you might be able to trade down substantially and get a player like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad Epinesa is there, and it's, it's another reason why I, I wouldn't mind jumping up a couple of spots from 18 if the board starts to unfold the way that we have it. They're at 19. The Raiders are back on the clock, and they took Jerry Judy at number 12. And it, this seems like a very Mike Mayock draft to me for them to come away with Christian Fulton here at 19, too, to come away with LSU and Alabama players. You take a look at, at what the Raiders did last year in the first round, taking Cleland Farrell, uh, Josh Jacobs, and, and Jonathan Abram. You've got re, three really good football players. And that goes without saying, but it, it's in direct contrast with how Al Davis used to pick. He, he wanted size, speed, and th- those real triangle numbers. Christian Fulton is a very good cornerback here in the SEC, six foot, 200 pounds. Long-term would line up opposite last year's second-rounder Trayvon Mullen and, and give them a cornerback that, that's going to replace a big disappointment they had in Gary and Conley, who was traded in the middle of the season to the Texans. Yeah, and the Raiders, you've got two guys that don't care where you've got any player on your board. They're going to take where they want from theirs, and they're not going to care about the image, and they're going to basically turn around and say, I know more than you do uh, in Gruden and Mayock. And so I, I have no issue with this pick. I know he's a guy with a tremendous amount of upside. For Jacksonville, in the next spot, they they had already taken Isaiah Simmons, who can fly all, all over the field in this draft. Up next, they're going to continue to add to this defense that was a disappointment in a lot of ways last year. And now you're going to add Xavier McKinney out of Alabama to, to the back end of that secondary. To, to really, really give you some players that can go sideline to sideline, play the pass, play the run. And, and now you've got some movable pieces on that defense that can cause nightmares for opposing offenses by adding McKinney into the mix. And he would rejoin uh, former Alabama safety uh, Rodney Harrison there, number 36 for them. And and now you've got, you've got some continuity there, there at the, at, at the Jaguar safety spot. I went with with the next pick, and this this is by far my biggest reach of the draft here, and it's I, I, I have some method to my madness here. At number twenty one, I went with USC wide receiver Michael Pittman, and right now, if you look at a lot of boards and mock drafts, you're going to see him going somewhere in the second round, maybe even the third round. But his game and his stock remind me a lot of Michael Thomas when he was a second round pick in twenty sixteen for the Saints. I mean. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Very underrated speed and great route running ability for a big man. Also, great ability to high point the football. And I think teams are going to fall in love with him uh, during the combine. Not necessarily over his his athletic numbers, but in interviews and his understanding of the game. His father was Michael Pittman Sr. Obviously, the running back for the Tampa Bay Bucks with John Gruden. And so he certainly got those bloodlines as well. And when you look at their depth chart, Alshon Jeffrey, probably not going to be back next year. Nelson Aguilar, probably not going to be back next year. And they're going to be losing a lot of size there. So Michael Pittman gets right in and is able to high point a lot of those Carson Wentz footballs. 
Buffalo is going to piss off a lot of New England fans here, one pick ahead of the Patriots. They're going to give Josh Allen the outlet that he hasn't had in the short range and get a guy that can not only block for you, but has drawn a lot of comparisons to Gronk in, in Cole Komet, which may come as a surprise to a lot of folks. But again, it, it's a pleasant surprise if you're a Buffalo fan because he's going to add a missing dimension to that Buffalo offense that they don't have give you that ability to throw those dump-offs to, to help protect in the running game and the passing game as well. And tremendous amount of upside from Komet, far and away the number one tight end in the draft that has some intriguing tight ends, but really pisses the New England fans off that think they're getting the next Gronk with him still on the board, and then he's, he's gone one pick ahead of him to, to the Bills. Yeah, I think he makes Dawson Knox a lot better, too. Um, Third-round pick out of Ole Miss, who was very impressive for him this year, but is not the inline blocking type. So they could go two tight end sets a lot, and you're going to benefit Josh Allen by going with that personnel pretty often because they're not very deep at wide receiver, and I don't think they're going to aim to be either. So at 23, seems like a very Patriots type of player, linebacker Patrick Queen from LSU. I mean – I go back to, gosh, it's probably been, man, 10 years or so now. They drafted uh, Gerard Mayo, uh, number ninth overall from Tennessee, and he was a very, very good player for them until his career was cut short with injuries. So this is somebody who's extremely aware in the middle of the defense and is going to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, very impressive game in the SEC championship and somebody that's certainly been uh, floating up draft boards here. It'll be interesting to see how he tests out to see if his computer numbers are going to match the production that, that he had there at LSU. The Saints are extremely happy right now because the Patriots passed on the guy that they were shaking in their boots that they might not get, given the fact that Drew Brees may or may not be back in New Orleans next year in, in his 40s. And the Patriots, by all accounts, are probably parting ways with Tom Brady. But we finally see another quarterback come off the board here. Jordan Love goes to the Saints, is a great fit for their offense, and and is going to have the weapons at his disposal to probably succeed earlier than almost all the quarterbacks ahead of him, if not all, um, out there in New Orleans. So the Saints are extremely happy to get Jordan Love on their roster and, and answer a few questions, whether it pisses Bridgewater off or not. So I'll, I'll throw it back to you uh, one more time here, Paul. The, so you've got Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater, both as free agents. And you've also got Taysom Hill, who is really chopping at the bit to be a starting quarterback. And now Jordan Love is in, in the mix here. How do you see that quarterback room looking at the beginning of 2020 for the Saints? I think it's Jordan Love and a re-signed Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't want to leave the Saints, as Dolphins fans are well aware, and thinks he's the heir apparent. And then Taysom Hill's a restricted free agent. He's stuck. He's going to be in New Orleans playing that role in the Wildcat that can throw the ball a little bit, much whether he loves it or not, or he's going to get traded. But I think Jordan Love is a Saint next year, and I think Drew Brees may end up Hell, he could end up with a reunion with, with, with the Chargers as they groom Justin Herbert. We don't know. Yeah, I, I think that could go a lot of different ways. I, I would have him re-signing Breeze, letting Bridgewater walk, 
and I'm not sure where Taysom Hill figures in then because if he really wants to be quarterback, maybe they flip him for a second rounder at that point. But overall, great value there at 24 for the Saints because he, he doesn't have to play right away regardless of the circumstances. At number 25, I went with Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs. As far as need goes, uh, Mackenzie Alexander is a free agent for them, and Xavier Rhodes, I don't care if he was a Pro Bowl alternate or not, was one of the worst cornerbacks in the league this year. He lost a step that he could not afford to lose. They've also got Trey Waynes as a free agent, too, so that whole position is in flux. Uh, Diggs is somebody with the experience there at Alabama uh, who's also can play a, a lot of cover three type of looks there in Minnesota where it would make a lot of sense. And the bloodlines not only are there, but his older brother, Stefan Diggs, plays on the other side of the football. So it would be interesting to see them matched up in practice every day. So good need, good bloodlines, makes a lot of sense there. Now, this this pick, I have to make this pick because you took a broken toy at number five. Give him a year to grow and let Fitzpatrick take the lumps instead of Tua. Josh Jones out of Houston, we're we're running towards a very big drop-off after him. This is a straight-up needs pick for the Dolphins. I'm not as sold on Josh Jones as some are as he's moving up the boards during the offseason here. But, again, there are straight filling in needs that they can't fill in free agency. Same justification I would have used to take back then at number five. I'll use for Josh Jones here at 26. Unlike Paul, I am very sold on Josh Jones. I have been for a while. And I said before that after Epineza, I don't know who I, who I would have taken. I, at the time, said Cushenberry. But, no, Josh Jones was actually higher on my board. I would have no problems even taking him at 18, um, it, it, even if, you know, if, if, if he's the best player on the board, which I think he would be. At Houston, I mean, didn't face a lot of great competition, but answered a lot of those questions during the Senior Bowl. He can also play right tackle. He, he got moved inside to guard during the week, too. So he's got some, some positional versatility there. There are a lot of varying opinions, though, on Josh Jones. But he's somebody, he, again, Paul, you've, in, my, in my mind, you've knocked it out of the park at 18 and 26 with Epineza and with Josh Jones. So as yeah, and, draft, and, but, but before we move on there, too, I mean, I would – love, even though a lot of fans would hate, if Miami had to stay home at all three picks and the way that the boards played out, I would have absolutely no problem if they do what I think they're going to in free agency and then took Becton in the top 10, took Epineza at 18 like they did, and then swung it again and took Cushenberry at 26. Along, You combine that with a Scherf and maybe a Conklin and suddenly you have one of the best offensive lines in football moving forward, one of the younger offensive lines in football, and you've answered along the D-line, and your trenches are solid moving forward and moving into 2020. Yeah, that, that's that's a good way to look at it. And I look at Cushenberry and Cesar Ruiz still on the board here as far as interior linemen is concerned. And I wouldn't even be against – the Dolphins trading back up into the first round and securing one of those centers. And now you've got your ten, your, your pivot man for the next eight to 10 years. So that, that would yep. give you here Tua at quarterback and AJ Epineza at along the edge, Josh Jones as your left tackle. And let's say Lloyd Cushenberry 
uh, as your starting center, and you've got four first-round picks. To me, that knocks it completely out of the park there because it, the value of moving back up to the back end of the first round is the player's going to be – you're going to have the option to keep him for a fifth year under that rookie contract instead of a second rounder who you can only keep there for four years. So that would be fascinating. And, and that, that's why I'm I, – I, I, when I look at the, the 18th, the 26th, and the 39th pick, there's significant value, and in, in depending on how the board goes, that you can move up a couple of spots and you're not going to have to be worried about rob, being robbed of draft picks here in the next two years. At 27 with Seattle, they always take a strange player. And last year, I don't think a lot of people saw them taking L.J. Collier from TCU. They did. The year before, they took Rashad Penny, which was viewed as a major reach at the time. I'm going to give him Marlon Davidson, the defensive end from Auburn. He certainly increased his stock at Senior Bowl week. Thought he was more 275, 280. He shows up at 297. That looks great in drills. And I could see him being that that guy that's that moves all around the defensive line for them between defensive and defensive tackle, and maybe even some stand-up linebacker and a couple of looks too. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, in addition to Davidson, if Seattle were to consider Uche or Nye to come in and help them out as well. One of my favorite picks that I got to make in this mock draft is, is for the Ravens, and, and given what they have in Lamar Jackson the shifty offense they have, what they've been able to do to adapt to players from a coaching standpoint. Baltimore would knock it out of the park if they took Jalen Rieger, the wide receiver out of TCU here. He is such a flexible piece on offense. He can kill you in the passing game, but he can also take the end around. He can, he can line up in the backfield and, and, and take, the, take the handoff. He can run with Lamar Jackson and take the option. There are so many fun and exciting and different things that you can do with a player like Jalen Rieger, teaming him with Lamar Jackson and that coaching staff that I think Baltimore knocks it out of the park by taking him a little ahead of when some folks may have him. But again, they could be dynamite together. Yeah, not too many spots ahead because even though Henry Ruggs is still on the board and a few other receivers, if you have Marquise Brown and Rager out there, you're making defenses choose between – hey, we're going to stay inside and we're going to stop the run, or we're going to leave Rager and Marquise Brown on the outside all game. And eventually you're going to lose because we're going to beat you deep on a play. So fascinating pick there. Very, very well could happen too. 29th, I went with Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle out of Georgia. I expect Jack Conklin to be gone in free agency uh, with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry as unrestricted free agents. You plug and play him right there. He's a mountain of a guy at 6'7", 340 pounds. Certainly needs some refinement and maybe should have gone back for his senior year at Georgia, but is somebody that if he smooths out those those rough edges, he starts immediately. Speaking of starting immediately, Green Bay has a huge gaping need at linebacker, and, and Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma is a little bit lower than he's rated here, but gives them the talent that they've been sorely lacking at linebacker for a long time. Given the fact that some of these younger quarterbacks that would be a fit behind Aaron Rodgers are off the board, Kenneth Murray comes in, has immediate impacts on the defense up in Green Bay. And it's weird to me how many needs that there might be across the teams that finished in the, in the two championship games, as well as the Super Bowl. So yeah, Kenneth Murray, 
fills a need immediately for, for Green Bay, starts from day one for the next 15 years for the Pack. Yeah, they've been going with the athleticism on defense here over the last two years, so that, that would certainly make a lot of sense. I think the 49ers here at 31 are, are surprised to see Henry Ruggs available. I mean, anyone who comes in for the 49ers, given they were just in the Super Bowl, is going to have to step in and play pretty quickly. And Alabama's a good school to draft from if you're looking for that. It'll be interesting to see what he runs at the Combine. I expect it to be under four, at least under 4-4, but some are saying under 4-3. So if you pair him with Debo Samuel there on the outside, you could – have some great weapons there for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, it's funny. If he runs under 4-3, I could absolutely see the, 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 the point where Gruden is having to have a pissing contest with, with Davis over who they take because the Davis family has always, always, always overvalued and overstolen based on speed. But, again, Kansas City is a team that as well looks to be potentially decimated by free agency after winning the Super Bowl. And one of the big gaping holes that they're going to have is both of their starting corners from last year, free agents. They've got a lot of holes out in their secondary. And I'm going to go back to the TCU well for the second time in six picks in the first round. And Jeff Gladney, the the corner, comes in, starts from day one, could really be that high upside corner that we see in Pro Bowls and a great fit for Kansas City's defense that's going to have some gaping holes even though you probably could have gone running back here with Damian Williams, I believe, being a free agent. Yeah, Gladney is somebody that, at the cornerback spot for the Dolphins, I'm I'm trying, I'm working through and seeing who would be the best fit for them. I like Glad, Gladney a lot as, as somebody who can be feisty there at the line of scrimmage. So, Paul, a lot of value left on the board here. I mean, we've gotten to the end of the first round, and some interesting names here. I mean, Nobody would have thought before the year that Grant Delpit would still be on the board. And he's, he's fallen a lot this year with broke, with missed tackles. Uh, his teammate Lloyd Cushenberry is still on there. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, who I mentioned from Michigan, is still there. But you've also got every running back there, and that includes DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. So, man, I mean, you could, st- you could sit there at 39 if the board goes this way. And it, 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 I think we did a very realistic mock draft here. And at 39, you could stay there, or you could move up in between Thursday and Friday and, and try to get as much value as you can for that, that first, second-round pick. You really could. And the thing that I look at, too, not only the running backs, there's a lot more pass rushers than you would have expected that stayed on the board. Gross Matos out of Penn State, Terrell Lewis out of Alabama, Weaver, Bradley Anai, uh, Aquara, and, and you can – just drool over some of the D tackles as well. Uh, like Raekwon Davis, who a lot of folks have going in the first round, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. I mean, Zach Vaughn at linebacker. There, there are so many things that you can do. And with Miami already having two second round picks, you've got some ammo to move up. You've got some ammo to slide back and pick up even more selections. And you're looking even more at some good players sliding to them with the picks that they have based on how this draft board shaped up. And that will do it for our first round mock draft pre combine. I'm sure a lot will change between or over the next month with the NFL draft combine, as well as free agency hitting. And 
You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on this mock draft in the comments below on YouTube. We always appreciate it. We get to as many as we can. And I am Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.